Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey Pediocast. With your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey Pediocast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me for the first time this season, um, return guest Nick Mercadante. Nick, what's going on, man? Oh, yeah, it is the first time this season, huh? It wow. is. You know what? It's always a blast because, you know, a little uh, behind the scenes for people. Uh, you and I record over Skype, and it shows like the last time we've talked. And it was in like, I want to say May, maybe. Um, maybe Holy even before shit. that. Yeah, so it's been a while. Wow. That's crazy. And we'll, I, I, uh, I, I can't believe we're already uh, this far into the season. I know. It's flying by. And listen, we are recording this while uh, Nashville, Tampa Bay is on and while the Chiefs and the Rams are playing. And we're still recording this podcast <laughs> anyway. So um, don't ever don't, don't say we never give you anything because uh, this is we're taking we're taking some uh, quality time here away from watching some pretty damn good games to uh, talk about goalies. So it is a um, interesting choice on our part, but I'm sure we're going to have a blast. I think so. I think so. Um, before we get going, I do want to remind everyone to go on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. Please uh, give us your five stars. And also, um, you can listen to Nick and I talk right now on Spotify if, uh, if you so choose. So the podcast, the PDO cast is on Spotify. So that gives, uh, people another avenue or outlet to, uh, enjoy this, this, uh, this fine show. And with that said, uh, we're going to do our annual, I believe I've had you on for probably like the past three years, uh, ranking our top goalies. I never know how many goalies to cut it off at. I, I chose 10 this year. It is obviously a bit of an arbitrary thing, but I feel like, you know, we're going to talk about a bunch of guys and honorable mentions and stuff, but let's cut it off at a, a you know, a, a relatively elite number. Cause I feel like if we start going to like top 15 or top 20, you're really, I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose. You're just basically ranking everyone at the position. Yeah, as I recall, I was trying to find my notes from last year when we did this, and 
I, I couldn't. So that's fun. If you if you have my rankings, I'd be interested to see where I fall this year in comparison. Um, but I, as I recall, last year we did the honorable mentions, and then we ended up spending all this time on like numbers like twelve, eleven, and ten. Yep. And uh, and then like five minutes on the top five. So that's usually how these rankings work, though, because I feel like the top guys are usually pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I guess for goalies, it's a bit different than for like centers, for example, where you're like, yeah, you know, Connor McDavid is pretty good. Whereas for the goalies, we probably will differentiate a little bit and, and there is a good conversation to be had. But I last year's podcast, I actually didn't have a chance to go back and listen to myself. I wanted to. I just ran out of time in preparation for the show. But I feel like it was a, a pretty insightful one because I remember you talked me into uh, into John Gibson. I remember I was a big fan. I was just skeptical about putting him really high up on my list because he still hadn't really done it for a full season. It seemed like he was always on and on and off again and would have injuries. And obviously now uh, he is very, very high on my list as a, as a bit of a teaser for later on in the show. So um, that was a, uh, a positive development to come out of last year's uh, ranking set. So. Yeah, we'll go with we'll go with all of my uh, you know all the ones I got right, and then uh, forget about the my 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 failures that I, I'm sure I had somewhere in there as well. Okay, so let's let's do some honorable mentions here. I kind of uh, lumped a bunch of guys together, and we can rattle through them quickly. I did want to give a um, a little bit of love. You know, I'd never really considered them for my top ten by any means, but it's interesting. Um, the goalie position is so weird and having guys like Keith Kincaid and Carter Hutton now all of a sudden looking like at least like average, if not slightly above average starters for relatively good teams after years and years of sort of being middling backups is, um, is quite the development. I don't know. I just wanted to give them a bit of love because that's obviously not a very common career trajectory. Although I maybe I guess at this position it's, it's um, slightly more common than it would be if we're skaters. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, because then you've got some ones that have kind of gone maybe the other way a little bit, even though they – so, like, take Grubauer, for instance. Grubauer right. um, was kind of a super backup for a while, but obviously he's behind Holtby, who I know we'll both talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, somewhere in our rankings. So, you know, Grubauer, everybody said, okay, well, now he's going to um, – uh, for all intents and purposes, a contending team, um, and – uh, has an opportunity to, opportunity to at least um, you know establish himself as an every every game starter, and he's kind of struggled. Right. So um, you know some other guys have, have gotten the injury bug. Um, what I've found is there's this changing of the guard that that has happened over maybe the past call it two years. Um, you could kind of set your watch to guys like Lundqvist up until maybe about two years ago, right? And look, he. Guys get older, and that's what happens. Hey, he's still on my top ten. Oh no, 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 he's on mine too. Okay, don't be disparaging the 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 king of sexy. Oh, I'm not disparaging. I'm just you know, um, uh, being rational. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll, I'll call it so people don't uh, you know accuse me of of just (laughs) hyping my guy. So, but but what I was going to say is what what I've noticed is in that changing of the guard. I think there were some guys that we thought were going to really take the torch and run with it for many years to come. And some of them have stumbled. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're gone forever. The Matt Murray's of the world. Right. Yep. Um, 
but you know, cause a lot of them are very young, but it's, it's what I've, I've said for many years now is everybody has to exercise caution and exercise patience with young goalies. It takes time. They're up and down and their window of, of peak might only be two or three seasons. So by the time you realize that they're good, they start to fall off again. And I think it's, it goes to the, the amount of parity there is in goaltending and, and, um, you know, really, how good the level of goaltenders across the NHL is. They're incredibly high. Um, and, and, but how rare it is to see a goalie that just, you know, where you're like, this guy is a, a top two, top three, top four goalie uh, for the next decade. Yeah. Um, it's hard to make those predictions. Yeah. It's obviously very challenging. I mean, there's only 62 jobs um, with the 31 teams and, for a lot of these guys, especially the ones who aren't, um, you know, relied upon to play 60 plus games. It's not like, you know, if you have a bad night, all of a sudden you could go two weeks without playing a game. And that could obviously really affect both your rhythm, but actually just purely the numbers themselves. So it can be sometimes really tricky to evaluate. And I'm glad you brought up Murray because I don't know where he was on our list when we did this like two years ago, but I imagine he was pretty high coming off uh that first stanley cup victory and obviously he's uh, come crashing back down to earth and has looked um like a work in progress this year to say the least uh casey the smith yeah, seems to kind of yeah. taken that job from him for the time being and we'll see how that plays out and obviously you know he's still so young and he has the physical tools to um you know right this ship eventually but it is just a good reminder that sometimes you don't want to get too carried away with young guys and also that you know it's all not always that stepwise upward trajectory sometimes there there are downs as well as the ups when it comes to developing young prospects which is you know with a guy like uc sorrow so how many how many guys are there in the league right now um as backups or you know 50 uh, 1a 1b types that are like young players who young goalies who still haven't really taken the job for themselves that you think have the upside to crack this top 10 in the years to come like it's it seems like it's a pretty um, pretty shallow list. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of guys that, to come from the NCAA and, and the AHL that we aren't expecting right now. But in terms of currently established young goalies, it's like Soros, and I guess people are still waiting for Yunus Corpusalo to be that guy. But the list yeah. seems pretty short, and it definitely seems shorter than it's been in years past. Yeah, and I think what you see more of is you see, um, you know, some some guys that are, I guess, what you know, maybe the a casual fan or somebody who doesn't really pay as much attention to, to goalies would think are either a flash in the pan or a surprise guy. So you mentioned like the Carter Huttons of the world or, uh, even Aaron Dell. Um, you know, some of these guys, uh, uh, Grice, <laughs> right. Yeah. Some of these guys that, um, really kind of dabble in, you know, one B, um, or starting roles, and um, some of them have gotten those opportunities and they've done varying things with them. But again, I think it goes back to, you know, look, great goaltending can turn on a couple misses, right? You can go, especially in a smaller sample. So in 20 games, people are flipping out early in the season, five games in, 10 games in, 15, 20. They're still flipping out over uh, really what is small sample size results for goaltenders. The reality is, is that, you know, the, the, the margin for error for a goalie is already, uh, uh, very, very small. The difference between a 91 save percentage and a 93 save percentage, right. Uh, might be a couple goals. Mm -hmm. Um, even when you get out to an entire season, 
you know, it's really not enough to establish whether a goalie is good. So when you go back to what I was saying earlier, which is that the window for a goalie to perform at their peak level might only be one, two, or three seasons, and it might come at their 28 or 29-year-old season as opposed to 22, 23, 24, 25, you can see how, you know, one of these guys like an Arendelle all of a sudden comes along and he's just playing the best that he can play for a short period of time. And everybody goes, wow, Mm -hmm. by the time they realize that he's pretty good, he's probably already coming down off that peak. Right. Um, The younger guys, it's a roller coaster. And some of these guys that we thought were going to be the, you know, the guys to take the mantle. I mean, obviously, the, the, the example we said stands out, Matt Murray taking it from Flurry, right? Well, Fleury goes to Vegas and he's still doing his thing. And Matt Murray has had his ups and downs. It's just, it's just the way it is for a young goalie. And we'll see, we'll see if, uh, you know, if he can, he can kind of, uh, you know, start to, to push up, but Hey, look, I, I always go back to Steve Mason and you know how everybody said he was a terrible goalie before he had, you know, essentially four really good seasons, three elite seasons. Mm -hmm. And then everybody, and then he started getting bad again. And everybody said, see, he's still, he's a terrible goalie. And it's like, no, he pretty much had the trajectory of most goalies coming into the league around 21 years old. It's just the way it is. You know, you're up and down, you have your peak and then that's it. Yeah. Teams are still, I mean, for the end, this isn't a shocker for anyone that's followed NHL, but I still think, uh, they're way too conservative with how they, uh, you know, how they develop their goalies and when they're willing to finally give them a chance. I mean, like, how is how is Carter Hart not playing games for the Philadelphia Flyers this season? Like, I, I find yeah, it shocking to believe just, that he's not one of their best right. two options in that. Um, you know, Google on down the line, like, with all of Jake Allen's struggles in, in St. Louis, and I know he's right at the ship a bit lately, but Billy Huso just kind of toiling away in the AHL, and you're Obviously, the aging curves are different for goalies, but we see time and time again that you're probably wasting some very valuable cost-controlled seasons by letting these guys develop past their sort of expiration date at these lower levels. So it's uh, I'd like to see that change quite a bit moving forward, but I'm not holding my breath because, as we know, NHL teams are super conservative and particularly so with their goalies. You know, there's a lot of teams that would rather go with what they consider to be established backups, which are essentially career AHL guys or career poor performing backups. Like, uh, you know, a Curtis McElhinney stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they um, they have confirmation bias. When that goalie might get hot for 10 games, they say, see, we made the right decision. When really all, all said, that probably they probably didn't. Um, that happens across the league. Uh, you look at teams like the Calgary Flames. I mean, just unwilling to give their younger goalies a chance, even when Mike Smith is, is terrible. So now they catch lightning in a bottle and, and they say, well, see, that was the right choice with, uh, with what's his name there. Big save Dave. Mm, um, Dave Riddick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so now it's, uh, you know, see, well, we made the right choice again. Hey, you got to foster some of these goalie prospects and give them a chance at some point and, and give them a leash, you yeah. know, um, let them play for a little bit. Um, especially if you know that your starter is a injury prone or B just has proven over time that they're not very good. Yeah. Um, my new, my new favorite, uh, obsession in terms of goalies, young goalies that aren't in the NHL right now is, uh, have you been following this Capo Kakinen guy for the, uh, Iowa uh, wild, yes. I believe. Yeah. He yes. had like some ridiculous string of shoutouts, but he was a, um, he was a guy I was watching because he had been doing really well overseas in the SM League, I believe, and he finally came over this year in North America. And I'm very fascinated to see. I don't think like 
Devin Dubnik's pretty safely established in his starter's job, but I feel like, um, you know, if there's an injury there or if Alex Stalock struggles, that could be a name to watch, especially for those people out there that are playing in, uh, in fantasy leagues. Um, but anyways, um, another honorable mention I had here and neither of these guys were on my top 10 list, but it's remarkable. Uh, you know, we thought the 2017, 18 New York Islanders were historically bad defensively. And then now you watch what Thomas Grace and Yaro Halak are both doing. And it's like, wow, how, how bad was everything defensively there that both those guys looked like they were going to be run out of the league. And now, in a shorter sample, obviously, and, and Yaro Halak is in a better situation in Boston, but both guys are playing out of their mind and uh, look like they're at least going to like stick around for the time being. Yeah, and look, say what you want, but uh, uh, new broom sweeps clean type of thing. Hmm. Um, you know, new coaching staff, new management, new new focus, tighten things up. Uh, the team plays better, and and uh, you know goalie results are intrinsically tied to um, how well the teams are p- performing defensively in front of you. Um, you know we, we've been kind of bagging on uh, uh, Matt Murray here, but he's essentially got what one and a half defenseman in front of him. Right. Um, you know it's it's really hard, and then you go to Nashville. Uh, Soros has had probably the best. Um, environment to develop in that you could ask for mm-hmm. um, possible. Uh, and, and I do think he's, he's an excellent, excellent goalie and he's going to make a great starting goalie. Um, Pecorine has had the ability to play through essentially several seasons of injuries adapt. And now he's come out the other side as, as a much better goaltender um, than he was, than he showed when everybody, including myself said, basically his career was over. Right. So, um, you know, the quality of your defense and the quality of your team in front of you makes a big impact, uh, in uh, affects how you perform. And look, those guys in, uh, uh, for the Islanders, they're good goalies. They've been good goalies. Um, Halak is very, very inconsistent. Um, but they're playing pretty decent team defense and they're scoring, um, so, uh, you know, the, the one, two punch, uh, I think they will be all right. Do you think we're, um, as like a bigger picture question, not to get too meta, but do you think we have nailed, or do you think we do a good enough job of accounting for team effects when it comes to our evaluations of goalies? Cause obviously, um, you know, with the adjustments we do have, we do take that into account, but it still feels right. like, um, I mean, it's obviously I don't think it's ever going to be an exact science by any means, but it feels like there still is a bit of room to grow in that regard. Yeah, there is. I mean, look, I think, um, you know, all the folks that are smarter than, than me that, um, well, that's a long uh, list. come up with the, yeah, I know, I know it is, but the, <laughs> the, the, the specific, specifically the ones that come up with the, you know, the all in one, um, formulas for, for rankings, uh, wins above replacement and, yep. and, and the, the variations of that they've tried with goalies. Um, they've ma- there's certainly been progress that's been made. I mean, especially, you know, since what we'll call my peak, uh, <laughs> several years ago and now I'm past my expiration date, but, um, there's been progress made, uh, uh, across a bunch of different fronts to evaluate goalies. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to are any, is any one measure or combination of measures predictive of future outcomes? And we really have not been able to find much that's predictive of future outcomes for goalies. And I keep coming back to the same things over and over again. 
team effects uh, have a high degree of an impact, and that's shown between the correlation between a, a starting goalie and a backup goalie, which you see across the league, and that's pretty consistent season over season. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning the starter and backup kind of perform not the same, but they, um, you know, their their variations in performance are similar, which shows there's an impact for team uh, that maybe we're not accounting for. And then, and then the second thing is, I think that uh, it's the stuff we were just talking about. The goalie peak is is um, pretty narrow, and um, it, it can get impacted by injury or just be fleeting. So by the time you have a, a big enough sample size to predict a goalie, uh, they've already gone out the other side, and, and it's past performance, and you're not you're just not going to be able to predict the future with them. Well, I was just thinking, like when we were talking, when you mentioned Yaro Halak there and his like inconsistency, I was, I was thinking, like, who's the last Bruins goalie that wasn't at least respectable? Like, especially with backups, it seems like you know they had Chad Johnson, yeah. they had Anton Hudobin, um, they had like who who was like I was like Nicholas Svedberg or something for a while there. Um, like, they, they, they just, <laughs> it seems like they just had like this rotating door of uh, of backups, and now Halak is having an amazing start to the season, and it seems like for whatever reason, there's something it's like the anti uh, Carolina Hurricanes for whatever reason. Well, there, look, there's, there's, um, there it's, it's just interesting. There's, um, in Carolina, you've got this, you know, where can, goalies have been consistently bad for many, many years. And we want to say, is there something wrong with the team that's causing this? But you can kind of microanalyze it a little bit and say, okay, but the goalies were Cam Ward, uh, Eddie Lack, Scott Darling, yeah. uh, you know, a, a Petter Mrazek who's really fallen on hard times over the Jeez, past yeah, three because seasons. That's add that guy to the uh, the Matt Murray alumni list of uh, guys we were yeah. extremely high on that uh, looked great coming out and then really have faltered since. Right. So, so and, and he, his problem started before Carolina, so it's not like he, you know, he went there and fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... Uh, the McElhenney experiment is, is over, I think. So, 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 uh, you know, the, I, I think that my point is, is, you know, is it the environment? Yeah, maybe, maybe there's something to do with it, but I tend to think that those guys are not like premium top shelf talent to begin with. And they haven't had somebody come through that's like that. And that's just been the luck of the draw for them in some respect. And maybe, um, maybe partially goalie talent evaluation or coaching. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, there are teams where, you know, they're synonymous with great goaltending. I mean, even the Rangers, it's not just Lundqvist, every single backup that's come through there has been phenomenal. Right. And gone on to have, have starting careers elsewhere. Cam Talbot, uh, was great. And he was great for, you know, a short time after he left in Edmonton. And now he's kind of fallen back to the pack. Uh, Ronta we'll talk about. So, um, you know, it, I think there's, there's some environmental impact there and, and some of it may be the coaching and some of it may just be the defense and the team structure and things going on, uh, around the goalie. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, okay, let's take a quick break here. to hear from a sponsor, and then we're going to get into um, we're going to finally get into our top ten on the other things. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of websites and varying levels of reliability, 
it's hard to know who to trust out there. And that's why SeatGeek's the way to go, because they are going to do all the work for you by pulling millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek's going to get you closer to their action for a great value. SeatGeek's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever before. They search multiple ticket sites and grade every ticket based on value, helping you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with full confidence, knowing that what you're paying for is what you're going to get. That's all why you need to make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and like I've talked about in this podcast numerous times now, I've personally found it by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. I've used it to get con- tickets to concerts, uh, to basketball games, to hockey games, to football games, so on and so forth. They've got everything out there. Um, and best of all, as my listener, not only are you going to have access to all those great tickets, but you're also going to get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to claim that is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code PDO today. That's promo code PDO for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Okay, actually, so I have my 10th spot open here. Um, I feel Ooh. pretty good about my top nine. And at 10th, I have a long list of guys who are very established in the league and in the past have been in the top 10 and have had a long, uh, illustrious run in the NHL to varying degrees, but have really fallen on uh, pretty shaky times of late, whether it was last year or this season. And I'm lumping into that group. Uh, Ben Bishop, Marc-Andre Fleury, Braden Holtby, John Quick, Carey Price, and Semyon Verlamov. And then... I have Devin Dubnik, who just year over year, you're going to get like 918 to 922 save percentage from him. But for whatever reason, and I guess part of it might be the defense in front of him, whenever we do use the numbers we have for um, adjusting and accounting for stuff, especially if you look at the goal saved above replacement metric on Corsica, the man he does, um, and never seems to like Dubnik for whatever reason. Um, so you need to consider that. And then I have Antiranta. And I think he's definitely a top 10 talent at this position, but I feel very uneasy putting him into this group of players uh, before he's ever really had even a 50 game sample size of a season. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> that's a, that's well, let's a, unpack that. so those, yeah. So let's unpack it. So, yep. so that's, those are, those were kind of all. So really what you're saying is that your 10 through 15 is kind of mush, right? Yeah. It's kind of, you know, a bunch of guys that you could, eh, that could be a 10, could be a 15. Yep. Um, and, and I kind of f- felt the same way when I was making my list. Um, I, I had a list and in some of the same names were on there. Uh, Luongo was on there. Um, uh, Price was on there. Quick, I mean, Quick's been through all this injury stuff, so how can you even say where he belongs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then I had some a couple newcomers like you. So you had Ranta as kind of your newcomer. Uh, I had Grubauer as um, is my newcomer. So um, you know, I and I even kind of threw Soros around, even though the sample size just isn't there to to. Um, you know, to really realistically with a straight face, put him there. You know, I kind of wish I could, right. I, I kind of feel like I know what he's going to be and, uh, he's just not there right now. If I was making this list and saying, Hey, this is my top 10 for, um, you know, the 2019 season yeah, or who you could have um, on your team moving forward or who, something like that. Right. Who yeah. I could have, he'd be in there. Yeah. Um, 
no doubt in my mind. So kind of how you feel about Ranta. Um, I, I give Ranta a little bit more leash because Ranta's been in the league longer. Um, and so we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, I, I, I kind of had the same feeling. Um, I ended up, so my number 10 that I actually went with was Renee. Hmm. So um, I have him at, uh, which at seventh, which surprised. Surpri- yep. Yeah. Well, that surprised me. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were, I feel like we were very down on him in the past. And obviously last year he had a very strong season, uh, playing behind a really good team. And so far, uh, he had a bit of an injury there in, uh, late October, I believe, but he has once again, looked really good. And, um, I think, you know, he's, uh, he's gained at least being somewhere in this top 10, whether it's uh 10th, like you have him or whether it's seventh, like I think, uh, the track record over the past, whatever, 70 or 80 starts he's had speaks for itself. Yeah, and he does things where he still does things where if you watch, I, I watch a lot of Nashville, um, uh, and he still does things that people notice when it comes to playoff time, and you're watching him game in and game out. You start to say like, like, boy, is he sometimes just strange with anything from like mid distance, like a medium distance shot. He just misses them sometimes, right? Yep. Um, there are flaws in his game when he's getting back to his posts, when plays are coming from behind the net, which is not uncommon for anybody. Um, he just seems to get lost and kind of wobbly and he doesn't get a push and then he's swimming around in his net. Um, there, there are things that you can microanalyze and hyperanalyze about him that haven't gone away, but what has come back is his health. And I think that he's adapted as he's, as he's, um, you know, he's adapted to his team. He's grown comfortable with, with his surroundings and he's gotten better. So I can't, I can't knock him anymore. I mean, he's a top 10 goalie to me. Um, I put him at 10. Well, just like, Uh, just like with, uh, with defensemen who always have the puck on their sticks and they make, uh, mistakes sometimes like with goalies, we do need to, um, you know, not let those horrible goals against kind of cloud the bigger picture. And I feel like, you know, with right. with Renee, like that performance in game seven against the Jets last year, it's very easy to kind of have that as a lasting image right now and be like, how could that type of player be in the, in your top 10 when he single-handedly cost his team, uh, which could have realistically won the Stanley Cup last year, a chance at that. And it's that stuff just unfortunately kind of happens sometimes and it happened in a very inopportune time for both him and his team. But, um, I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to completely scrub all of the games that came before and after that, just for that one sequence. And so I think that is something that, uh, that kind of bias cognitive bias we need to, uh, eliminate. Um, you still haven't talked me into, uh, into my 10th guy of all those names I listed. Who do you think? I, I, I think your 10th guy has got to be Ronta. He certainly has the highest upside right now, I believe. I mean, even this year, you look, I mean, he's already been injured and it looks like uh, yeah. he probably won't get to 50 plus games again. Um, but, I mean. That's that's the big problem. I mean, the big problem is is that he hasn't been able to do it for a real starter's full season. Yeah. Um, I, to me, that's the big problem. Um and I think but that's a skill. I mean, obviously part of that is luck, but I think part of it is like, so you look at some of these guys and their ability to constantly just give you 60 rock solid starts every season. Like right. eventually that should count for something. Right. Right. And, and that's where, um, you know, you've got your goalies like, like, um, the, some of these elder statesmen that have last lasted forever. Luongo and Lundqvist come to mind, obviously, mm-hmm. um, Tuka Rask even, um, you know, he had a little bit of an injury bug and, and, kind of you know 
more or less fixed it, but now Halak is kind of taking his, um, you know, taking his role away and I don't know what's going to happen, but the, the, I think some of these guys that have done it season over season over season, there, there has to be some kind of value that you put in, um, for, uh, the ability to eat eat up games. Hmm. I, I don't know how else to say it. Right. Well, that would be definitely the argument for Devin Dubnik there, but I, yeah, I feel, sure. I feel, I feel better yeah. about like Ranta's obviously the sexier option there and um, has a chance to wind up obviously making us look very, very smart. If he can stay on the ice for long enough, um, got off to a great start again this year. And, you know, this, the Coyotes were a very trendy sleeper team after how they finished last season. And they signed Ranta to this uh, very intriguing uh, middle term contract that could wind up making them look very smart. And, one of the keys for them realizing that potential was uh, they're going to need Ranta to finally give them that starter's workload. And, you know, Kemper's been up and down, but at least he's given them some decent performances compared to what they were getting last year when Ranta was missing time. And I guess we didn't account for the fact that Pacific Division was going to be such a tire fire. So the Coyotes are, are right there in that tier behind the Sharks. But I'm very curious to see how that develops. And, you know, he's still at the age where there's no reason to believe that he can't play that starter's workload like i know he's been banged up the past two years but if you look before that a lot of it was circumstances and being on chicago and new york and teams that had firmly entrenched starters so it wasn't like that's, yeah like that, that's why he wasn't playing 50 plus games not because he wasn't capable or because he was injured all the time yeah and i think that um that the coyotes saw the value um you know when they when they when they did that trade with the rangers they they were obviously trading for a guy they thought could be a starter. Um, and it just, I mean, look, he is the starter. It's, it's just bad luck to some extent. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see him put in more of a sample size. I hate, um, uh, seeing goalies that have repetitive kind of lower body type injuries, knees, hips, um, things like that. Um, because it, they start to run the risk of just breaking down to the point that they're not going to give you the performance anymore. But I still, um, I'm, I'm a big believer in him. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm going to put him at 10 on mine and then I've actually got, um, you've mentioned them already. So I'm going to get them out of the way here. I've got Luongo at nine and Lunk was at, at eight for like the 567th straight year. Both those guys are in my top 10. And, um, I guess it's kind of a contradictory that I have Luongo in here after I just said that I'm, 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 I'm docking Ranta points for not being able to stay on the ice long enough. But I mean, just look at this season. I think he's been arguably like one of the most valuable players in the league, just from the perspective of without him, both Reimer and Hutchinson and whatever they were throwing out there. Ned was just such a complete disaster. And they were like 30th uh-huh. or 31st and in, in overall save percentage for the longest time there. And he comes back and he just gives them, so much stability and also the opportunity to steal games. And I'm not sure how much at this point of his career with all the miles he's accrued, what you can expect from him from a workload basis, but like, he's going to give you at least 40 ish, just really, really strong games. And, um, I'm don't think anyone, any of those names that I've mentioned has dethroned him from this top 10. So, you know, with him and Lundqvist, um, part of it is track record and part of the fact that they are still producing on like some of those other guys, like the, uh, like the Holtbees and quicks of the world that have fallen off a little bit. Right. Yeah. The, the, the amazing thing with Luongo is that he really does, you know, even when he's out for any period of time, whether extended or not, he comes back and he just performs just as well. I mean, he, it's, uh, I don't know that there's another guy 
I mean, aside from Lundquist, that has that level of durability that even when they do experience injury, they come back and it's not like it's like, oh, okay, well, now he's taking another not, you know, step back he's or he's falling off a cliff. It's kind of like, oh, okay, he's the same old Longo, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't... Well, and know, also, it's, I like that anecdote from Elliot Freeman in one of the recent 31 thoughts where it's like, cause you know, he was out for a while with that injury and he wasn't really expected or I think even really medically cleared fully to come back yet. And he traveled with the team to Finland and things were going so poorly that he basically just like made the executive decision to put himself in there and instantly the right. team's performance improves. And it's like, Hmm, that's a, uh, it's a guy that's still got it, man. Uh, he doesn't have yeah. his full fastball all the time, but it's still good enough to be, uh, amongst the top 10 in the league. Yeah, it's um, there's uh, there's always a couple guys in um, in beer league that are like ten years older than everybody else, and they get on the ice and they're just kind of cruising around, and uh, you're like, this guy really shouldn't be out here. And then you know you look up at the end of the game and he's got like five goals and three assists. Yeah. Lu- Luongo and Lundqvist kind of are doing that with the NHL in, in terms of goaltending, where it's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'll hop in. Yeah, what the heck? Do you, how do you feel about this as uh, as our resident Rangers fan? I think at some point the team might need to just like send Lundqvist on a paid two week vacation to Mexico or something, and just like take, get him to take some time yeah. off. I feel like he's like That's, legitimately playing too well at this point. Like this is a nice story, and the Metro is really topsy turvy so far. And you know, there's with with Heedle and certain guys like that. Like there's potential for the future and reasons for fans of the team to still tune in and be invested in the team. But it's like, you know, they're not planning on competing this season and he's still so good that it's going to make that make it tough for them to right. fully bottom out while he's still yeah. there. And at. Well, and here they are, uh, they, they won again against Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, <laughs> they're right in the thick of it. Um, I think they're second in the Metro right now. Um, I don't know, third on point percentage, whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, and he's, he's on pace to play his normal, like 65 games. So, um, yeah, the, one of the issues, so believe it or not, I actually did write an article about this and pieces of it got used, uh, uh, by, uh, uh, for, for an article in the athletic by, uh, Shana, Mm -hmm. um, the great Shana Goldman. uh, That's right. So, um, you know, something I said is, is part of the problem is, is that there's a little bit of a, an age gap with the heir apparent for Lundqvist, um, uh, Shesjorkin, who's still over in Russia. Yeah. So, you know, if they were ready to bring him over this season, I'd say, okay, time to scale it back. Like, let's give this kid the time. Georgiev's not, or Georgiev, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I'm, I, I just refuse to call him Georgiev. I'm just not going to do it. It's Georgiev. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a guy. He's Yeah, he's A, he's not a real player. Um, or, or he doesn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. He's one of those types of goalies. He had a good, he had a good and, end to the last season. Yeah, yeah, I did, but it was kind of ugly to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so my the issue is, this is like, how many games are you actually going to give him? You know, um, with a straight face, yeah. where it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not like right now you're like, oh, let's give him some games. You know, when you guys, when when the Rangers are actually in the playoff hunt right now, you can't just like be like, ah, we're going to give him two in a row. Um, you can't do it with a straight face. Whatever uh, happened to Mackenzie Skaff? Like you're trying to win. It's a good question. Um, just disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth. 
he really disappeared. The the Rangers have a lot of goalie prospects, and um, and they're all kind of vying for time. But nobody is really none of that group um, really ever kind of rose above the pack. So they all kind of got washed out by the next wave. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I boy, I haven't thought about what skapsky has been up to for a long time. I, think he, I feel like he had like a pretty major surgery at some point there, but yeah. Um, yeah, Shostorkin obviously yeah. is very exciting and, you know, it's between him and Ilya Sorokin as like the two guys that yeah. aren't in the NHL right now that look like, you know, they could be like the next big thing. Um, now that Ilya Samsonov especially has come over to North America. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I guess you're right. Yeah, you're kind of biding your time there, but, it, you know, at the same time, it's like you still have to... Uh, you know, both give the, throw the fans a bone a little bit, but also it's not like you're necessarily like detrimentally taking time away from anyone that's going to be a big part of the future. So it's like you may as well right. just keep using Lundqvist for 60, 65 games if he can hold up physically. And, uh, you know, yet again, he's uh, he's around hovering around a 920 save percentage, which is uh, just perfectly Henry Lundqvist. Yeah, he's just a rock. And yeah. and watching the, how they defend night in and night out. Although I, I have to say that the recent run of games, they've been much better in the defensive zone. Even some of the kids like Tony D'Angelo have surprised me. I was on another podcast like saying, like, I can't believe I'm saying that this guy is actually doing a pretty decent job. Um, so not to turn it into a Rangers podcast, but um, the defense is playing better, which is kind of scary for the rest of the league with, when, you know, Lundqvist has basically been playing with a trash fire for, um, you know, a decade. It's scary for the rest of the league. Is that, are you implying that it's unfair that the Rangers are this good? Yes. Other teams yeah, should be concerned. Steal a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah. They're, well, they're going to steal games from, from other teams that, you know, I mean, we're going to get to mid season and uh and the rangers are going to be in the in the in the hunt so to speak for a playoff spot which should worry other teams that actually should be in the playoff hunt right yeah yeah especially with them and like the islanders actually looking like they are competent at least whereas heading into the season you would have kind of penciled them in as like easy wins for most of these other teams that are going to be competing at the top of the metro so you're right it uh throws a bit of a monkey wrench into that um okay so we've already done my 10 9 and 8 so let's uh let's get a bit more into your list yeah, yeah. So, so I said uh, we talked about Renee at ten. Yep. Um, I have at nine Flurry and at eight Crawford. Um, and I'll tell you, I I'll start with Crawford. I only discounted Crawford because of injuries. That's yeah. it. Um, I really do believe that Crawford is a top five goalie in the NHL. He's come back now, and he's he's you know uh, he's in a tough situation with that team. Um, but he's still been good, he, though. He's been really good. Yeah. He's been really good. Yeah. So, and, and they're in a weird, they're at a weird crossroads. Obviously, I mean, um, you know, switching coaches. Quenville's like a large. He's one of the few larger than life NHL coaches, right? Yeah. And um, so that's a crossroads for any team. But then on top of it, they're really going through a transition in terms of their talent. So um, it's a weird time for Crawford to really be in his prime or peak years so we'll see if he can have an extended period where he's not injured and play really well kind of like lundquist-esque carry the team type of thing um then i you know i hope more people start giving him credit i only discounted him because of of um you know that that he's uh he hasn't played as much over the past two seasons well that's the thing you know you you'll mention the fact that uh the like hip and lower leg injuries are scary or at least like a red flag for goalies and that's certainly true but for a guy like Crawford, it was like, you know, he was about dealing with vertigo and concussion, post-concussion symptoms. Yeah. And it's very yeah. scary stuff where 
it's one of those things where it's not like you know necessarily oh you can get a surgery or or you can rehab it and all of a sudden you're going to be good to go like it was say status was very up in the air especially how his season ended last year and the fact that he wasn't ready to go to start this year and kind of like you mentioned with long or the fact that he was able to come right back in and not really miss a beat and um look as good as he has so far i believe he was one of the top three stars of the week or whatever in, in this past week in the NHL and he's over 920 again and, and just the fact that you're going from Cam Ward to him is such a massive uh, right. gap <laughs> in terms of performance and talent and no you're right I mean I had him that's a mental boost <laughs> yes I had him I mean I had him I had him fifth on my list and I just I, I th- and I think that's fair yeah like I'm with you I'm, I'm especially with some of these other names that I put behind him that aren't so much significantly worse than him like you can make an argument that he should be a bit lower down this list just because he does have some of those red flags and some of the other guys slightly behind him might not but at the same time like when he is out there he's just so good that um i felt like i had when i got to five i was like i can't bump him down any further but yeah we're both obviously very high on him and hopefully knock on wood he can stay healthy and uh give the blackhawks a good good season because it's been a couple years since he's been able to do so Right, right, yeah, and I don't need to. I don't need to talk a, a ton about Flurry. Um, Flurry for me kind of falls in the same. Um, yeah, I mean he's like Luongo and Lundqvist light, if that makes any sense. Like he's just always pretty, pretty darn good. Um, he had a spectacular season last year. Right. Um, spectacular in terms of the that whole. The, you know the the whole team obviously the playoff run and everything else um they're they're struggling this year i still think that they're going to start uh you know climbing and um and and be in in the thick of things at least um you know will they reach the heights of last season i don't know um i, I doubt it yeah. um but but i think flurry um it, it can still be flurry and you see how the team looks when suban's in that um it, it, so it's kind of scary. So, yeah. um, so I, that's why that's why I flurry uh, at nine. Yeah, I mean, obviously he wasn't. I don't think anyone should have expected that he would uh, repeat last year's performance, just because it was such an aberration from what he'd been in the past, which was a very respectable and reliable goalie. But um, you know, there's probably a middle ground there between what he looked like last year and what he what he's been able to do so that's far right. this year. And I mean. It is a bit concerning, obviously. I mean, from the moment it was announced, and I understand there's, uh, you know, off-the-ice factors there for what he means to this organization and franchise and as an ambassador and all that, and that's all well and good, but the fact that his contract extension still hasn't kicked in uh, is obviously concerning because just from a business perspective, it's like, you know, they sort of were bidding against themselves there and in a rush to do so just to keep the momentum going from last year's high, and if they had waited a bit and negotiated now i imagine that price could have come down quite a bit but you know it is what it is and and we don't need to rehash that because it's not it's not even like the benefit of hindsight thing it's stuff people were saying as soon as it was announced yeah and and look when your contract extension is kicking in and um he's turning 34 i think soon like Mm -hmm. in a month um yeah i mean he's in a good place financially yeah um and and for the rest of his career obviously and and he'll get to kind of exit gracefully i think if if they can find some goaltending prospects that that can um fill the net but from a contractual standpoint um oof yeah it's rough um okay so wait i have uh so we've done my 10 9 8 7 so i um connor hellebuck at six okay 
Um, I think that's fair. That's the only name we haven't mentioned because we've pretty much done everyone outside my top five. So uh, let's get into Hellebuck. Wait, who did you have at seven? Uh, I had Rene at seven. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah. I, okay. I, so for those keeping track at home, I had Ranta at ten. Uh, I had Luongo at nine, Lundqvist at eight, uh, Rene at seven, and Hellebuck at six, and Crawford at five. Um, All right. I've got, uh, I, I had Rene at 10, Fleury at 9, Crawford at 8, and then I have Ranta at 7. Okay. And who's your, who, let's go to 6 and 5 for you. My number 6 is Freddie Anderson. Okay. I have him at 4, so I'm right there with you. And, uh, okay, yeah. well, let's, let's do, let's do Hellebuck because, um, you know, spectacular year last year, uh, earned himself a Vesna nomination, um, made such a difference for that Jets team along with all the other stuff that was going on in front of them. But after years and years and years of uh, highly suspect and unreliable goaltending and having to deal with, uh, you know, bouts of power electricity, um, just having a hellebuck season in there was obviously a very welcome change in development for Jets fans and the, and the franchise. And um, he looks so far this year, like he's building off of that. And obviously with his pedigree, there was no reason to believe that it was going to be a one-year aberration. So I don't know, like I, for whatever reason, it's not a very interesting uh, guy to sort of profile or talk about. Cause it's like, yeah, he seems like he's very good and very reliable. Uh, I don't think he necessarily has the, sort of standout potential or upside of the couple guys I have ahead of him on this list, but he's so good at, especially from a game to game basis where it seems like his range of outcomes is quite minuscule at a very unpredictable position. And I'm giving him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. I, and I think, um, I mean, look, I have, I have hell book at five. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, I, I think my, my read on him I, it's it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier in the in the show. Um, young goalies, they have their ups, they have their downs, right? And he kind of had a a brief up, uh, you know, a low low, right, um, where he really struggled, and then uh, you know this kind of strange confluence of of events occurred with uh, with Mason with the you know the concussion and all these and, and he he started off so poorly. Hellebuck had to. Ca- uh, come in, uh, kind of not think, jump right into the role and play, and uh, in front or behind a, a you know a team expected to do things, and he did, and then he just took it and ran with it. Um, I I I think I, I'm a, I differ a little bit. I I actually do think he has greatness in him, um, and I think he's right there. Um, and what I like about him is that he has a high degree of consistency that's kind of surprising to me for such a young goalie. Yeah. Um, it just seems like um, every single game he plays, he's giving you a pretty solid performance with very few errors. And when you look at him statistically, that bears out at least last season, which is a good thing. Um, so, you know, w- is it a little bit of a reach for me to put him at five? I thought about it. I, w- I almost kind of flip-flopped him around with Anderson and Ranta. And then I thought more. I said, nah, I think he's I think he's in that top five now. I really do. Um, and I think he'll be in it for several years. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I came out on him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, obviously, uh, you know, he's in a pretty great position himself. But at the same time, like you look at what – was going on in Winnipeg before he elevated his game to this level, and it's pretty clear that it's not as simple as you could, you could just plug and play anyone in there. So, um, yeah, no, he's he's very very good. Um, 
let's take another quick break here and then we're going to get into uh, our top fives. Let's chat a little bit about Puckpedia.com, which in a short amount of time has immediately vaulted up my list of invaluable resources for when it comes to preparing for the show and um, doing all my research. Uh, They only recently launched, but they've immediately become an ultimate source for hockey fans, whether it's salary cap information, uh, basic or advanced stats, draft and transaction history, uh, game previews, injury news. They've got it all. And they're also the exclusive home of the agent leaderboard, which shows who the top agents are and lists all the players that agent represents. And obviously on today's show, we're talking about Sergei Bobrovsky amongst the top goalies. And he has one of the most fascinating situations coming up with his impending free agency and it's a very valuable resource to be able to go and look and see who his agent is and try to figure out uh, whether there's any historical precedence for what they're going to push for or how they're going to play it out. Uh, It's also become my go-to resource for preparing for the show because it's so easy to navigate and it's so user-friendly and also it has all this information in just one place so I don't need to be bouncing between one site to another and opening up a million different tabs just to get all my information. I can just go there and just sort through everything and be in and out rather quickly and save time and effort and energy. Um, So you can do two things. You can go follow at Buckpedia on Twitter where they constantly are tweeting out useful cap information and news as it's broken. Or you could just go to puckpedia.com and sort through all their information like I do myself. And uh, I bet that you won't be disappointed by what you find there. Anyways, with that said, uh, let's get back to the show and finish off this list with Nick Mercadante. Okay, so we've done... Uh, we're actually into our top four here, I guess. It's pretty exciting. Uh, so I have Freddie Anderson at four. Yeah, we just flip-flopped those because yeah. I had him at six. So. Well, let's get into him because um, I know that you, and this must be a very uh, proud moment for you because you have been quite high on Anderson. I remember, I believe last year you were much higher on him than, than I was on this list, and obviously so far yeah. this year in particular, he's really taken his game to a whole new level and looks like he could be a very likely Vesna candidate. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting. I um, I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, I had him at six. Yeah. And I kept him uh, in the same spot. And the only reason I kept him in the same spot is because I hate the Maple Leafs. So I like to, you know, do things like, you know, yeah, I think he's a, you know, he's right there. He's probably a top five goalie, but not quite. He's a, he's a number six for me. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I really. I, How I, analytical been, of you. I know. I've been banging uh, Freddie Anderson's drum far before the Leafs ever knew who he was uh, when he was out in Anaheim. And uh, I was calling him Steady Freddie and saying, look, uh, guys, he's he uh, is not getting the credit he deserves because he's not flashy. He's a conservative style of goaltender and uh, he just makes saves. And, uh, you know, now that he's in Toronto, uh, finally, he's I think he's gotten the fanfare and um, uh, he's gotten better over time too. So, um, yeah, uh, boy, what a, uh, you know, a top NHL media market can do for your notoriety at least. <laughs> um, if he was in Anaheim doing this still, I'm not sure that, uh, I think people would be like, what are you guys talking about? Number four and number six. What? Well, um, yes, but I will, I will say like in to his credit, I do feel like, you know, he, while he was in Anaheim, and this is why I was a bit lower on him. He, I felt very comfortable with having him in that discussion of that like eleven to fifteen tier that we said there with that well, little jumble there. Yeah, but he's really taken he his game closer, to a whole new heights. 
Yeah, he was above league average yeah. back then, yeah. but closer to league average. Yes. Now he's above league average, but closer to elite. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, could I, could I flip flop him into my top five? Yeah, I could. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, screw the Maple Leafs. <laughs> Uh, the opinions of my guests are not shared uh, by myself. Uh, I'll have people just sort of my, uh, my my Twitter mentions aren't filling up with people angry that you just said that. Um, I, I, I'm just trying to further my brand, my Twitter brand, which has basically uh, been about 80 uh, percent Leafs trolling content. Yeah, you've been going pretty hard after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I had Freddie Anderson at four. Um, then again, to my top three here, which I feel very good about. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky at three. Sergey Bobrovsky at two, and John Gibson at number one. I like it. Okay, good. I that, like that, it. that silence there worried me a little bit. I have the exact same top. Three. Oh, you do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes for riveting content. My, uh, my, I know my my <laughs> show's over. Mm. Um, my number four is Lundqvist. Uh, oh. I have Vasilevsky. Who well so so look I mean this was a kind of a tough one because I I just I am biased towards Lundqvist I gotta say um, I I also he, here's something that we haven't talked about so neither of us have Holpe in our top ten yeah um, we mentioned him and yeah we mentioned him yeah. uh, he's in my kind of mush of top fifteen mm-hmm. and same thing with Price yep. how crazy is it that you know two years ago we were talking about them as probably the heir apparent one and two, if not current one and two. Last year we were talking about could Price make a comeback, and yes, it's Holpe's time. Um, And now this year they're not even in the top ten. Yeah, Uh, I mean, both guys have been very shaky to start this year. And um, and they were bad last year too for for long spells. It's a very unforgiving position. I mean, the thing with Holpe is like obviously he was so great in the playoffs for them. but yeah, I mean, we're coming up on a decent sample size here of him not being yeah. that same guy. And you look at like Corey Schneider when yeah. he fell off. I mean, obviously that was injury induced, but like for years and years and years there, he was like nine twenty five save percentage money in the bank, probably the most consistent goalie right. this side of Lundqvist. And now it's like he can't make a save. And it's crazy how far yeah. we've come in such a short period of time. Yeah, my boy Steve Mason isn't even in the league anymore. And it's and that's a tough one, too, because he I I, I think there's. I'm speculating, but I think there's more to the story with the, the, the whole concussion thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you think about a guy who was a starting goalie in the NHL a couple of years ago, um, and now he's not even in the league, period. Well, the crazy um, thing is the Jets brought him in because they weren't trusting Connor Hellebuck at the time. And that was right. like so, a year so, ago. <laughs> yeah, so if the theme of all this is, is you know, take all these rankings with a grain of salt and they might, you know, they might expire after a season, um you know, I mean, just look no further than some of these guys that were really considered the elite cream of the crop and are no longer in the list. And that just makes the staying power of guys like Luongo and, and Lundqvist that much more spectacular. Yep. No, you're 100% right about that. Um, okay, let's get into this top three. So Vasilevsky, um, you know, obviously uh, the pedigree had been there for a long time. And then last year, uh they finally handed over the keys to him and he got off to a ridiculous start and wore down a little bit as the year went along and admitted as much himself that, uh, you know, just not ever having to really deal with that kind of workload got to him a little bit and he came out great this year. And now he's banged up. And what I will say about him yeah. is 
it's very easy to reflexively look at a team like Tampa Bay or, you know, what we get into with Rene, uh, with the Predators, and just go like, okay, well, this team is great, and they obviously make it very easy on the goalie, so let's not give this guy too much love because you could just plug and play whoever else in there. And as I've seen with what I've seen from Louis Domingue so far this year, that is not the case. <laughs> you cannot just put anyone into the Tampa Bay's net and expect a 925 save percentage. I don't know why I always had a soft spot for Louis Domingue. Like when he when he made that uh, that one little um, series of spot starts for Arizona, and he was kind of like on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like, I like I like him, and it's just like one of those guys you, you develop a soft spot for no reason where you root for him. But, anyways, yeah, Vasilevsky. I, you know, as I recall, um, I think last year I had him like somewhere just outside my top 10. I don't, I think I had him at like 11. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and yeah, he looked great last year. Um, but he, he wore down and there's an argument for fatigue and, and how that impacts different goalies in different ways. Um, but it was clear to me that he wore down. Um, yeah. And this year he's a little banged up. So you hope that, that there's not, um, you know, that you're not kind of, uh, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about injuries and how they impact goalies, but, uh, you hope that he's not a guy that that uh, is it feels the fatigue more and and it results in injuries and things like that because he's so spectacularly talented. Yeah. I mean, you talk about physical gifts and ability. Um, there's not many goalies that are as athletically gifted as he is. Yeah, he seems like he's at that super top echelon of talent where like sometimes he kind of gets a bit bored with how easy it is. And like yeah, he just tries. Yeah. Like I remember, like last year, he tried. He like randomly tried that like save with his glove where he turned his back and like wasn't even right. looking at the puck. He was like, "Oh my god!" Like this guy's on a different plane right now. And yeah, he yeah no, the talent's obviously there, and I think he's very important to Tampa Bay as we've seen. Um, and it's not just a matter of him being on a great team. So hopefully he can come back from this injury and string together um, starts to show off that talent, and then that kind of concern was the only reason really that I had him locked in there at the third spot because the two guys ahead of him are just so insanely good and reliable that I felt much more comfortable with them at this point of their careers. If we're having this discussion next year or the year after, maybe I'll change my tune. But for now, um, just what we've seen from Bobrovsky and Gibson uh, has them as a pretty clear one and two in some order for me. Well, look, and, and I, there, there's the unscientific, um, you know, factoring in reliability into the rankings. But I think it's fair. It's fair to say I, I've, um, you know, I've been thinking, is Tampa going to be a team that's going to go out and try to find a, uh, you know, one B backup just in case they might. Um, and that speaks to the goalie's durability and reliability. And I mean, obviously, the team is going to be relying on them. I think you're right in that. But um you know, they have to, um, they have to think about those things. Whereas I don't think the ducks, I mean, not that the ducks are going anywhere, but I don't think the ducks have to think about Gibson at all. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Columbus is lucky because they've got a little bit of an embarrassment of riches, but, um, they don't have to think about Bobrovsky at all. I mean, it's just, uh, those guys pencil them in, right? Well, they don't have to think about Bobrovsky for the next like 60 games. And then this summer, yeah, they're going to have yeah. to think about him quite a bit. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one. What happens at that point? Because, um, you know, Corpusala was looking a little bit more ready than he's maybe looking now. Yeah. Um, like a season or two ago, which is weird to say. Um, but anyways, 
Um, yeah, G- Gibson, uh, I was high on him last year. I, I was happy that, uh, he proved me right and made me look smart for once. Um, what I, what I think was the big change for Gibson was that he got, he learned what Vasilevsky maybe still is learning, which is that you don't need to always be making the spectacular save. You don't need to be flying across the net in a split every single time to, to, um, you know, to get to a rebound. Sometimes you can do it in a controlled fashion and control your rebounds better. Um, and when he started to kind of rein it in, um, and we saw it two years ago, really, uh, the results were like immediate, um, because he is that gifted in all facets of his game, not just physically or athletically. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think the world of Gibson and I think Bobrovsky, we know by now what he is, right? Yeah, we do. With Gibson, I think this is the most kind of just mind-blowing stat of the year so far. So he's played in 17 games. We're like about a quarter of the way through the year. He's already at 15.9 goals saved above average. Um, yep. So to put that into perspective, um, we only have this information going back to 2006, I believe. Bobrovsky's 41.9 in 2016-17, and Tim Thomas's 37.7 in 2010-2011 are the two uh, the two high benchmarks for that stat. And yeah. you know, we'll see. Obviously, um, I don't know if we can expect any anyone to continue for a full year what Gibson's done so far. But if anyone can, it's probably him, and he could be entering some truly rarefied air if he can keep this up and obviously he's pretty much the sole reason that the ducks are even like still in the nhl yeah i yeah. mean like they'd be the that they'd be worse than the los angeles kings i think without him which is yeah, saying they, something because the kings are uh, an embarrassment to the league at this point with how bad they are the yeah in, but at least the kings have some star power where you go oh that guy was good right i could buy a ticket if i knew nothing about hockey and i saw some of their players um i'd be like oh yeah sure i'll buy a ticket see what's going on there um the ducks seriously if there was an argument for relegation uh in the sport like their roster top to bottom um is uh, you know, they're like uh, Stoke City in the Premier League. They've got like one player that's worthwhile, and he's probably going to get out of Dodge if he can. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, the you know, you mentioned um, Tim Thomas and Bobrovsky with those standout seasons. Mm-hmm. The, the one difference there is that those teams were competitive. Yeah. Um, Gibson, in spite of, of how well he's played, I don't think you're really going to make Anaheim very competitive over a full season. I, I mean, just don't see what's If they get happen. healthier here, like, and with how bad the Pacific is, I could see them squeaking into one of those last playoff spots and then getting swept again. But yeah, I mean, like, the, the only reason that's even uh, a slightly plausible statement is purely because of how great he's been so far. And um, yeah. he's a joy to watch. I mean, you know, you say that he's learned that he doesn't need to make those spectacular saves all the time. And obviously that's true, especially over a full year, but he's still shown, I was watching, uh, I think I believe it was like a predators game, uh, that the ducks played recently. And, uh, in overtime, he was just making just these like series of ridiculous saves where he was stretching out and pretty much stopping it with every single, uh, with, with every single possible tool in his, uh, in his toolbox. And it was just breathtaking to watch. And there's very few goalies that you can say that about. And, um, yeah, he's he's number one on my list. Brovsky started off really shaky, has been unbelievable since, I believe, since the calendar turned to November. He's, like, given up one or two goals in pretty much every single game against. And, uh, you know, he's turning th- he just turned 30. 
and we yep. mentioned that he's going to be hitting the unrestricted free agent market this summer and I'm very curious to see how that plays out purely like you know I had uh, Allison on who covers the Blue Jackets and does a great job for them at Athletic on this summer and we were talking about this and I don't know if you can add to it but like what's the last big money goalie that hit the open market and changed teams in the recent past like I think Ben Bishop no, is know. the best example of that, right? And that wasn't even that massive of a contract, which is it's such a rarity. So it's so tough to even, you know, put this into historical perspective that a guy at this level is going to at at an obviously very, uh, you know, unpredictable position that you don't know. We wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable giving him a six or seven year contract like you would maybe a skater who is uh, as good as he is. But still, like these guys very rarely come available. And if you're a team that could potentially add him, even if it's going to be a bad contract like for the next two or three years he could suddenly turn you into a very viable contender yeah and you know look uh uh, we all know what montreal did with Carey price um and they there was no way that they were not going to do something with him because they had shuttled off so much around him and it's montreal and there's uh obviously a microscope there but this is columbus um i don't see Columbus giving the guy a seven-year contract. I just don't see it. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens with him. If somebody's going to give him some crazy, uh, you know, term and, and, um, and pay him, or if he's going to get less than he maybe you'd think he maybe should considering a stature, just because it's so rare that this type of goalie gets out there. Um, you know, we always talk about skaters. Uh, they they get out on the open market and get mad. The, you know, John Tavares and um, guys like that. Malkin coming up, right? So, um, what happens with with a goalie of of that equal type of stature? Um, I, I I truthfully don't know. Yeah, well, there's no very I think, very. Low I think he might get shorted. Yeah. I think he might get shorted a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you especially if you look around the league, like there's very few natural fits of like teams that need a goalie that have money and that are competitive like you know you could go with like a team like the Canucks or something and be like okay we're gonna throw a ton of money at Borowski just to reach a level of competency but like is that really that appealing to him I guess maybe if it's the only option but I there's very few teams like I can't see a team like Carolina, even though there is a need there, shelling out that type of money for him, um, especially with the people they have in their front office and the fact that I'm sure they'd be very concerned about handing out that type of contract. I mean, you go on down the line, like maybe the Flyers, I guess, he could go back there. Like there's very few teams that seem like a very Vancouver. natural landing spot. Well, I mentioned that. What's the point of that? Like why, if you're Bobrovsky, is that very appealing beyond just purely cashing those checks? Uh, yeah, no. Uh He's been linked to the Islanders, um, but yeah. once again, yeah. I'm not sure how far that takes you. But I mean, obviously, I don't know. It's going to be a fascinating thing to watch, and obviously, it'll I be think very fascinating. Columbus looks much better now that he's playing back to his regular standards, and I think that's a really good team. And all you know, playoff failures aside, in the past, I think once again, um, they look like they're going to be a com- competitor and a contender to make a run. So it's going to be very tough for them to sell him and Panarin off for parts here and think ahead because that team has had so little success in the past that when you have a team that's good, you kind of need to strike while the iron's hot. So there's so many factors there to consider and it's going to make for a very fascinating situation to follow. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. I, I, um, you know, I, I think it would be great for, um, I think you're right. Teams like Columbus just got to go for it, mm-hmm. um, in, in a window because I think that they can get through four or five years of darkness and kind of obscurity. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, better than, than maybe a, a higher profile team in a big market. Um, so when you have your chance, you got to take it. Um, if, whatever happens with the future happens. It's just a slap in the face to your fan base too, right? If you're like, okay, you've been with Ben and they've had a very loyal fan base who has been going to those games, even during the dark times. Right. And it's like, all right, now we're really good. And we're one of the best teams in the league, but can I interest you in a 2020 third round pick that we just got? It's like, Oh my God, like, come on. <laughs> you really doing that to us right now? So, and they would obviously get yeah, more for that, but it's like one of those things where, you know, in that type of trade, it's not like they're going to get back a surefire thing. That's going to immediately help their team as well. So it would be a very, not even lateral, quite a backwards move. And I just can't see them doing that. So, um, it's just going to ride it out, I guess. And, you know, he's back to his usual standard and usual greatness. And he's going to be in that Vesna conversation. And, uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something to watch for. Um, Nick, let's get out of here. It's uh, I know it's well past your bedtime. As you mentioned, you're yeah. very, you're very washed up. And I'm, I'm, those I'm are your words, not mine, up. by the way. So the guests don't think I'm. Oh, so the listeners don't think I'm insulting my guest. I'm just uh, parroting your own words back at you. No, it's it's true. I think it's true at this point. Look, my kid goes to bed, you know, at uh, whatever time it is, seven thirty, and on a nightly basis. Uh, when he's going down for the night, I'm like, you know, You're just I could go to bed. Yeah, I, I, I could do that. I could sleep for, you know, 13 hours. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad we, this list turned out good. I think, um, you know, we covered pretty much every scenario. There's obviously a lot of un- uncertainty and unpredictability. But um, I think for the most part, like the big takeaway here is you and I do value track record and consistency and reliability quite a bit. Like Red Ranta was yeah. the only guy on my list here, I guess, Corey Crawford aside, that I don't feel very solid about giving whatever team they're on, like 40 to 50, very, very good above average starts. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, defensible lists is, mm-hmm. is what I would call it. And, and, and yeah, if, if I, you know, if I had to say, I, you know, I stuck my neck out for, for Ranta and we'll see, um, but uh, yeah, by and large, I think the reason that we came back to a lot of the same people, maybe in different order, is because uh, they're reliable and and um, you know they they uh, you can count on them. And in some of the new guard at the top, the Vasilevskis and the Gibsons, we'll have to see. You know, who knows? A year or two from now, one of those guys or both of them could hit injury skids, and and then we're uh, treating them like Holpe and and Price and saying, oh, these guys aren't even in our top ten anymore. So. Um, yeah, you, you hope that doesn't happen for, for the sake of watching great goaltending, but, uh, that's just the way the position goes. Okay. Um, everyone can follow you on Twitter, although I guess they probably shouldn't, um, based on your, uh, your leaf slander and medley of topics you get to, although I feel like you do touch on quite a few different things. Where, where, where can people follow you on Twitter? Let's get, let's give you that. It, if you like pizza yep. and a lot of good pizza content. Um, a lot of good pizza content, a lot of good Italian soccer content. I think it's good. Um, and and then some hockey content, which is so-so. I'd say it's a mediocre. Uh, you can follow me at nmercad, N-M-E-R-C-A-D. 
Yeah, I would say your uh, pizza content on Instagram blows your hockey content on Twitter way out of the water, and you can't really even comp- compare those two. Um, listen, man, I'm glad we finally got to do this. It was a long time coming, and uh, apologies to Mike Smith. We didn't have time to get to him on today's show. Um, Nick, we'll chat soon. All right, pal. Thanks. Yes. Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast.